Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Rebecca F., as in Frank, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, August 6, 2018, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we will we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 7, Working with Others, on page 91. We will be reading and commenting on the second and third paragraphs, which begin with, when your man is better, and end with, get him to tell some of his. Today's readers are Zakia J., Leon B., Martha Z., Allison L., and Craig F. The reference number for Sunday, August 5th, 2018's special edition meeting is 11749. That's 11749. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Zakia J to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning, everyone. I'm Zakia, a compulsive a recovering compulsive overeater. Thank you. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer 
and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to serve and I'll mute. Zakia, is your initial J or A? Well, I'm sorry, maybe she muted, and I may have gotten that wrong. I apologize. I will not, thank you, Zakia. I will now ask Leon B to read the 12 traditions of OA. Good morning. This is uh, Leon B from Simpsonville, South Carolina, and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous are one, uh, common welfare should come first, personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants, they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise that has problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Leon B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then we stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. 
in order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book in Chapter 7, working with others on page 91. We will be reading and commenting on the second and third paragraphs, which begin with, When Your Man is Better, and end with, Get Him to Tell Some of His. I will now ask Martha Z to please read them for us. Good morning, Rebecca. Thanks for your loving service. This is Martha Z. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from outside of Philadelphia. When your man is better, the doctor might suggest a visit from you. Though you have talked with the family, leave them out of the first discussion. Under these conditions, your prospect will see he's under no pressure. He will feel he can deal with you without being nagged by his family. Call on him while he's still jittery. He may be more receptive when depressed. See your man alone if possible. At first, engage in general conversation. After a while, turn the talk to some phase of drinking. Tell him enough about your drinking habits, symptoms, and experiences to encourage him to speak of himself. If he wishes to talk, let him do so. You will thus get a better idea of how you ought to proceed. If he's not communicative, give him a sketch of your drinking career up to the time you quit, but say nothing for the moment of how that was accomplished. If he's in a serious mood, dwell on troubles liquor has caused you, being careful not to moralize or lecture. If his mood is light, tell him humorous stories of your escapades. Get him to tell some of his. Uh, good morning, my friends in recovery. Um, it starts by saying call on him while he's still jittery. And for us, we're really lucky. We can just talk to a newcomer at a meeting. And um, I remember for myself being jittery, like when I'd be in withdrawal, I'd be shaky, I'd be anxious, I'd be, as we say, restless, irritable, and discontent. And I was pretty willing to do anything. After I had a couple days and was starting to feel better, I um, didn't need help anymore, pretty much. And I can remember at my very bottom when I'm, was on my knees and I was praying that I said to God, please help me get the help I need and help me not to say that I don't need it anymore after a week. You know, help me to go anyway. So that was, that was my prayer because I knew how I was. And it says, tell him enough about your eating habit. Well, I'm saying eating habits, symptoms, and experiences to encourage him to speak of himself. So I usually start with the allergy of the body, and sometimes I even talk about allergy being having an adverse reaction to certain substances. And, and I'll say, like, I'm like an alcoholic, but with sugar and flour. And I'll, I'll say something like, um, there's no such, like, I couldn't eat two cookies. I could eat two boxes of cookies and then some. And I'd, I'd say, once I start eating certain foods, I can't control the amount I take. And um, then then I start talking about the mental obsession and how the thoughts of food were in my head 24-7. If I was thinking about how I was going to get it, where I was going to eat it, how I was going to recover from eating it, I just it was always in my head. And, and how I would finally just eat something to turn the voice off. I couldn't stand it another second. Or I'd say, you know, even though I had the worst binge in the world last night, today I'm going to be fine. I can just have a little... And um, it says, if not communicative, give him a sketch of your oh, I'd say eating career up to the time you quit. And I looked up the word sketch. It says, 
a short, light, informal story description. But then it gives us a warning. It says, say nothing for the moment of how that was accomplished. And I think that that's an important warning, not to start talking about ex- spiritual things and God and, you know, how God has done for me, what I could never do for myself. Like, just did not turn them off right in the beginning. So my sketch is pretty much what I just talked about, the allergy of the body, the mental obsession. And then it says, if he's in a serious mood, talk about the troubles overeating has caused. And I might talk about some of the negative consequences um, with my relationships or school, work, finances. Or it says, if the moods bite, tell them humorous stories of your escapades. And um, I, I have many of them, and I'm just great to say they're humorous today because they're in the past. Thank God. And, and I'm grateful that they're in the past and that they're in the past as long as I remember that, um, who I am. And that is that I am a compulsive overeater. I have to concede every day to my innermost self that I'm a compulsive overeater. So anyway, thank you so much for letting me give service, and I pass. Oh, thank you, Martha Z. Who would like to share on these two paragraphs? Kim G. This Kim is Larry. G. Larry K. Anybody else want to get KDG. one? KDG. Yep. Gotcha. Barbara E. Barbara E. Sally A. Is it Sally A? Was that Sally A? Yes, Sally A is an apple. Yeah, got it. Okay, why don't we... Did you say Margaret B? Um, D is in dog. D. Okay, uh-huh. we've got Thank six. Thank you, Margaret. We'll stop right there. I have Kim G, Larry K, Katie G, Barbara E, Sally A, Margaret D. Kim G, please go right ahead. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I love the line, give him a sketch, a sketch of your drinking career up to the time you quit, but say nothing for the moment of how that was accomplished. You know, this, this not only makes me look at how I carry the message one-on-one, but you know, how do I carry the message in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous? You know, I looked up the definition of sketch, and it says a brief description or an outline, a rough drawing. You know, and when I used to share in meetings and lead beginners meetings and share one-on-one, you know, I would tell people about my life. You know, if I right now tell you that I'm a 51-year-old woman who's never been married, never had children, grew up in New Jersey, went through 12 years of Catholic schools, I've probably just now eliminated 98% of you. But if I talk about swearing off and eating anyways, about hiding in the bathroom at family events because I put cookies in my pocket because I'm so uncomfortable I have to eat where nobody can see me, if I talk about picking babysitting jobs, not by what the kids were like, but what the pantry looked like, about getting to goal weight and making that one exception, and next thing you know, I'm up 20 pounds in two weeks. You know, if you, the fact that you could hook me up to a lie detector because I woke up in the morning saying, this is not going to happen again, and I meant it, and yet I was back in the food, I now think I've probably included 98% of you. So this is about the way I carry the message. You know, I think about even on a, on a healthy meeting, because all a vision for you is, is a healthy meeting. You know, think about your favorite personalities that you hear share. 
how many of them do you know if they're married or not, have kids or not, what they do for a living? But yet, why do you identify in with them? Because they know they eat like you ate, they think like you think, and they feel like you feel. We're giving a sketch of our drinking, not a sketch of our lives. Just to give you another example, if I want to learn about parenting, and I go to a parenting meeting, and someone raises their hand and tells about how they're not getting along with their husband and they're really ticked off, and the next person talks about all the stress that they're having at work, and the next person talks about the fact their mother-in-law is coming this weekend and they really don't want her to come, you know, I might raise my hand and say, excuse me, I thought this was a parenting meeting. And they might say, yeah, yeah, it is. But, you know, my, my husband affects my parenting. My job affects my parenting. My, my mother-in-law definitely affects how I feel, and that affects my parenting. That's true. But I came to a parenting meeting to learn about parenting. Think about that. When we come to the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, how many times could you go into a room where after the sex drug, you wouldn't even know it was an OA meeting. you think it's more junior therapy. So this is, this is not only great information about how you, try, how you help someone individually, Look at our meetings format and how we carry the message as a whole to the sacred fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Larry K. Oh, Larry, we can't hear you. Hi, Rebecca. Larry? There you are. I'm here. I'm here. I'm not all there, but I'm here. Um, You know, this, it says, you know, say nothing how this was accomplished. See, when this is more about me, even when I have the very best of intentions, see, I I want to convince you of something. Because if I don't convince you of something, I may not get the validation that comes with seeing you get better. I need that validation, right? And so I'm going to chase after you. I'm going to tell you all how I accomplished this because I did it. My committee, no, there was three of me, me, myself, and I. The committee did it, right? And so, but here we learn what our early pioneers came to realize in trying to carry this message effectively. When I try to be at the helm of things, if I'm at the helm of things and I'm trying to force or compel this change to happen in others, I want it to happen fast. I want to convince you of something. In sales, they, they talk about throwing all your candy on the table. That's a bad, you know, bad uh, metaphor here. But, you know, tell you, show you everything I know up front because it's about me and I want you to see how much knowledge I have. See, there's a time and a place for everything I came to learn, and, and, and there's a time and place for this, for this change, and we can push with all our might, but nothing's going to happen when I'm trying to be the alpha and the omega, right? I, I, I can't make this change happen in you. I can't sprinkle you with pixie dust. And what if hard work alone isn't the determining factor of success? Of course, we need to work. It is a practical program of action. But what if there are other forces at work, and that's how I approach, I approach to carrying this message today. I know that there are other forces at work. I'm not the force at work here. There may be a force that's, that's, that's leading me. And maybe in life, the signs we receive and the signs that guide us to where we need to be and how to carry this message 
sometimes it's not just the doors that are open, but also the ones that are closed. And that tells us that we may be in the wrong place. And maybe my higher power would use that to show that there's another route available. And so instead of trying to continue to pry open that door and force this to happen in others, that I allow things to, to just unfold and I don't chase after anyone. I don't try to convince anyone of anything because I've accepted there's a, a timing and a rhythm to this change. And not everybody's ready to embark on a practical program of action. I wasn't. And that's okay. It is a beautiful program. I don't have to convince anyone of anything. I just try to carry the message as best I can. With that, I pass. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks, Larry Kay. Katie G. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, my fellows. KG, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic. And um, yeah, just to pick up where the last speaker um, left off, you know, I have ceased fighting my own disease and I can't fight anybody else's. And, um, you know, for a long time for me, there was a, a dynamic by which I was sponsored that it was like, um, the sponsor put you in line, you know, you suited up, so showed up and shut up. And, um, I had somebody, um, you know, people, people would ask me to sponsor them cause they're like, well, I need a really strong sponsor and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, I can't do this program. I can't fight your disease. I don't fight my own. And so I'm not going to start off um, nagging you or pressuring you. I'm going to start off by telling you what I, what I, what happened, you know, in my life, who I was as a compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic. Um, and if you are wanting to do what I, what I do eventually, we can chat about that. But a lot of times, you know, and I did this too, you know, I wanted a food plan. Like, just tell me what you eat. Well, what do you eat? What does that mean? And through this process of studying the big book, like there's been a slowing down and I'm not saying I'm not as urgent because I am, if anything, I'm a more urgent. I mean, this is life and death, right? Like I want the best doctors. I, I'm willing to go to any lengths and, and God willing, I demonstrate that um, every day and you can come follow me around and hopefully that'll be true. But like, um, you know, it starts off by just talking about what's, What's going on? Where are you at? And uh, are you really, are you brutalized by this disease? And when, when, um, when a bond is placed, you know, when I'm, when I'm really in rhythm with a sponsee, you know, when, when I go and eventually we talk about how this program works for me, how the 12 steps work, what entire abstinence means for me, it, it does become very simple. It's not, it's not a complex program, you know, as a dieter, and a, a complicated addict, I wanted to complicate it. You know, the entire abstinence is pretty black and white. The only thing we have to suggest is entire abstinence. And we, I cannot safely use, uh, you know, any, the foods in any form at all. So, you know, when I, when that, when we get to that point of laying out red and green light foods, you know, you tell me, you tell me what your behaviors are. You tell me what you can't do. You know, you know, you know, and at the end of the day, if you miss something or you're lying about something, right, that's between you and God. That's not between me and you. That's, that, that's a blockage that I've placed, you know, when it's me, that, that's between a blockage between me and God, you know, and so this is really about 
a detachment, not shoving it down people's throat, but igniting the fire inside of you. Because let me tell you, I'll just close with this. I can't do this program for anybody else. And I pray that you find the fire within you to keep you going today. Because that's what I have to have each and every day, a fire to get in the rooms, to stay in the rooms, and to demonstrate this program in all my affairs. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Katie G. Barbara E. Barbara E. You're next. Barbara, are you having trouble unmuting? Well, maybe we lost Barbara. Is Sally A available? Hi, can I be heard? Is this Sally A? Yes, it is. This is Sally A, I'm recovering compulsive overeater from New Jersey. Go ahead, Sally. Hi, everyone. Um, this is my first time sharing on this line, so I'm a little nervous. <laughs> um, I'm just happy to report that I've been abstinent for 30 days, um, and it's just a miracle. I uh, I just wanted to share that about this particular topic that um, it's teaching me how to sponsor. Even though I'm like on step one, I'm still kind of thinking, what would a compulsive overeater need at this point in their recovery? Like, what's the first thing that really should happen with them? And I know it's individual for everyone. For me, that tough love doesn't work. You know, I need a sponsor that will understand, you know, that, that will tell me their story, that doesn't get offended if I ask them what their story is. You know, some of them did. And um, I need to hear that, I think. And, and, and hopefully one day I'll be a sponsor and I'll, I hope I'll remember this, that, you know, what it was like to keep it green, to keep myself humble, no matter how much knowledge I'll require, to remember what it was like and how dark and lonely it is and and how much despair a person feels at that point when they're coming to another human being for help on this problem that we share um and to to share with them you know what it was like you know um and I think if it's the first thing um I hear, then I'm interested. I don't want to hear about the big book yet. I don't want to hear about the fucking steps yet. excuse my friend. I want to hear why you're why why you qualify to tell me what to do like. Like, let me be convinced that you are just like me. You know, do you think the way I do about food? Um, do you handle it the same way I do or similar? Like, that would convince me more than anything. Um, and then I'll trust you more into, into you know, following your steps and following your guide. So that's all I have to share. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Sally A. Is oh, Barbara E. available? Oh, yes, I am. I got thrown off the whole phone call. So thank you so much for allowing me to speak today. Um, I do not want to speak to a sponsee or a potential sponsee with the family around. I feel that they, they will be much more receptive, open, honest if we talk one-on-one. It's very important for me to keep it light, as has been said, not to mention that there's a spiritual aspect of the program, because it's been my experience 
that everyone comes into Overeaters Anonymous for one reason alone, to lose weight, to get to healthy body weight, and to maintain it with sanity. So that's what I stick with. I stick with that. And first of all, I keep it light. If they're in a humorous, kind of nervous mood, I tell them a little bit about my humorous experiences with compulsive overeating. And unfortunately, there are many, and I'm able to laugh at them because they're in the past. And if they're in a serious mood, I tell them about how it's affected my life. But first, for me at least, they have to be able to identify in, are they really compulsive overeaters? So there are 15 questions posed by Overeaters Anonymous, and they're good questions. Do I eat when I'm hungry or not eat when my body needs it? Do I go on eating binges for no apparent reason, sometimes eating until I'm stuffed or sick? Do I have feelings of guilt, shame, or embarrassment about my weight or the way I eat? Do I eat sensibly in front of others and then make up for it when I'm alone? In my, do I eat sensibly? Oh, I did that one. Is my eating affecting my health or the way I live my life? When my emotions are intense, either positive or negative, do I find myself reaching for food? It's never a stalk of celery. Do my eating behaviors make me or others in my family unhappy? Have I ever used laxatives, vomiting, diuretics, excessive exercise, diet pill shots, or other medical interventions? Do I fast or restrict my food? Do I fantasize about how much better my life would be if I were a different size or weight? Do I need to chew something, have something in my mouth all the time? like food or gum or mint or candies or diet soda? Have I eaten food that's burned, frozen, spoiled from containers in the grocery store or even out of the garbage? Are there certain foods I can't stop eating after the first bite? Have I lost weight with a diet or period of control only to be followed by bouts of uncontrolled eating and or weight? Do I spend too much time thinking about food, arguing with myself about whether to eat, planning the next diet, excessive cure, counting calories? And if this person answers yes to several of these questions, if, if so, it is possible that this person is well on his way to having a compulsive eating or overeating problem. So, if the person can identify in, I speak to him alone and I tell him in a general way. And I too reiterate, not in a spiritual way. That comes later. Thank you so much. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. Margaret D. This is Margaret. May I be heard? Yes, good morning, Margaret. Um, good morning, everybody. Um, and I have a question. Um, on page 91, it talks about don't deal with him when he was very, when he is very drunk, unless he is ugly. Um, at a meeting I attend, there is an individual, or I don't even know how to phrase this, actually. 
we have an occurrence that has occurred now three weeks in a row by one individual who can be very ugly. And I'm just wondering if anybody has any suggestions about how to deal with that behavior um, during a meeting. Thank you. Margaret, will you be on for the next hour when we do Q&A? I'll be on until as long as it takes. <laughs> okay. So if someone happens to address that in a share, great. But I invite you to ask that question again after 8 o'clock, and the moderator will call on two people to specifically respond oh, okay. to your question. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you. you, Margaret D. Did you want to share in addition to that? Um, are you well, yeah. Um, I guess I'm really grateful that very grateful that we're going through this because, um, when trying to do 12 step work and working with others, it's not always smooth. And for, I think for the most part, um, the main thing that we try and do is make sure that others will be helped however that you know and that may be different at all times but um because i have to remember that i'm sick just like everybody else in the room and um i guess with that i pass thank you thank you margaret Z. and maybe you'll get some calls as well okay so before i open the floor for more people to share let me just tell you in case you got on late that we read two paragraphs on page 91, the second and third, beginning with when your man is better and ending with get him to tell some of his. Who else would like to share on these two paragraphs? Beth B. Jackie B. Craig F. Okay, I heard Beth B. And I heard Craig F. I know this isn't in order. And I heard Roz G. Miranda F. Okay, I heard Pete B. And Miranda, I think F. Cornelia S. Cornelia S. Leia S. Oh, Leia S. <laughs> okay. Harlan um, G. Harlan D. Okay, I'm not. I'm not sure how much time we have, but I'll take a couple more who already said their names. If I missed you, did I miss anybody? Okay, Beth B, Craig F, Roz G, Pete B, Miranda F, Leah S, Harlan G. Did you try to get on and I missed your name? Okay, um, if you want, I'll take a couple more if you hadn't tried and you still wanna get in line. Okay, sounds like we're good. Beth B, go right ahead. Good morning. Um, my name is Beth B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater out of Charlottesville, Virginia. Um, I'll, I'll try to be short because I want to make sure everyone gets to share. I, I don't really know it all, but one of the things that just keeps coming up for me in, this, in these two paragraphs is that, um, if I'm to summarize it uh, the best I can, is that I am to be a mirror. Uh, I'm to reflect uh, back to these uh, to these prospects or people, um, other uh, sufferers of what it looks like to be recovered so that they can look in that mirror. And one of the things that keeps coming up for me is the book Harry Potter because uh, in the first book they, 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 they talk about the mirror of Irised. And Irised spelled that backwards is the mirror of desire. 
And it just goes back to this is a program of attraction rather than promotion. And when I first started working with other people, I wanted to be out there and I wanted to be chosen and I wanted to make sure that everybody knew that I was able to sponsor when I got to that point. And, um, you know, here, let me be your sponsor. And um, I, I found that to be just not a very, very good way uh, to carry the message. I love what someone said about how am I carrying the message. And so right before I go to meetings and stuff, I now ask myself, what is my purpose? And it is to carry this message. It is to be that mirror. If somebody is um, serious and I reflect back in serious ways so that they can understand I just you know it's it's about reading the environment about reading them and reflecting back and if they're not interested in talking to me as on fire as I may be about this program I just I, I leave them alone um, I also stopped um, I, I do call newcomers but I stopped calling newcomers beyond a first phone call because it's a pro program of attraction rather than promotion. Um, if I'm not reflecting back to them and they're not picking up on what I'm reflecting back to them, then then I just leave them alone. And um, boy, I'm in great company this morning, so I'm going to pass uh, the floor. But thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you, Beth B. Craig F. Craig. I'm I'm sorry. I thought I was unmuted. Can you hear me now? I do hear you, Craig. All right. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Um, I saw a cartoon on uh, on the Vision Facebook page the other day uh, that somebody, hopefully, that's listening, had posted, and it showed a picture of a guy uh, standing up on top of a ledge with a pious look on his face quoting the big book, and there was another person that was hanging off the ledge crying out for help. And, uh, uh, you know, that, that that's kind of right on point to what we're part of what we're talking about here. You know, that, that uh, we, can't, um, we, we can't tell them all about the solution with a, you know, while they're struggling to just get up and not fall off the edge. And, uh, uh, I, I just thought that was such a right-on-point cartoon. But anyway, the 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 other thing that I that I think about when I'm reading this is that when when you're when we're talking with a with a newcomer, a lot of times even our body language um, is part of the communication. You know, we we have to show people that somebody cares about them. You know, that that they're not just some nameless, faceless person that that um uh, you know because self-esteem issues and and are, are so much a part of of this disease as uh, as well you know that and um you know I could sit there leaning back with a smug look on my face or or uh, because by god I've got it or I can lean forward and 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 listen to them and and ask them uh, to tell me wh wh what's going on, well, you know, and we rarely, I I've got to make a couple of hospital calls uh, in this program, uh, we, but that's a pretty rare thing anymore, 
for overeaters, uh, partly because our our program, the medical community, doesn't call us when they get a, a you know a, a terribly obese person or an anorexic or a bulimic in in a hospital. They don't call us for help uh, like we would like to think they they should, but partly because um, uh, that's just not the way things work. But when that person comes in the door uh, of a of a meeting, they, they we have to, you know this thing's this program's been re, been defined to me as a the ego reducing program of the steps and and when our when we're leading with our ego when we're leading with with our um, uh, with our uh, head and we're trying to pontificate or lecture or tell people how they should behave. We're not going to get anywhere. If we can, I'm sorry. When we get when we get to the point where we can show them we care about them and and love them into the fellowship, then we can have some success. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Craig F. Roz G. Good morning. Thank you for your service. My name's Roz G. And I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Los Angeles. And um, while I was listening to the shares, and I, I've heard the word sketch come out. And when I think of a sketch, I'm a visual person, I think of a drawing. And um, when I first came to um, Overeaters Anonymous, I didn't know that I didn't know that I didn't know. All I knew was that I was fat, embarrassed, and overweight and wanted to lose weight. Excuse me, fat, embarrassed, and wanted to lose weight. And uh, I'm very grateful for my very first meeting. I'll never forget it. I was able to to talk, and I was able to get identification. But there's this one guy who brought in a picture of himself. He had a driver's license, and he carried it around with him. It obviously was expired, but he carried it around with him um, for this purpose to show newcomers what he looked like. And that was very um, effective for me. And... Although they didn't tout the big book, and I don't mean that uh, to be flippant, they didn't they didn't really talk about the big book. Um, and my rec- my recovery has been like the squiggly line, you know. Speaking of another graphic, you may see some a picture that says recovery and, and what recovery is not, and you see a, a line starting at the bottom and moving um, sl- at a slant all the way up. Or you see a line that's squiggly that goes up, down, up, down, up, down. That's how my recovery has been with OA. And since um, uh, I have been with a big book study groups, it's gotten a lot better. But I'm very grateful for those early days when people brought their pictures so I could see a sketch of what they looked like and what they look like now, the recovered people, the people who had... You know, sometimes they were—they just lost weight and they, they, they really hadn't uh, studied the big book. But, you know, I'm not judging. I'm just very glad that they were there for me and that I bring my picture. I have a piece tucked in my cover of my big book. And uh, just like everybody else's share this morning, I'm learning how to, how to properly uh, sponsor someone or at least introduce uh, my recovery to them through the book, through the instructions. Thank you, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Raj G. Pete B. 
Pete. Can't uh, hear you. Can you hear me? Can you hear me yes. now? Yes, yes. Oh, thank I you, moderator. You thank, you. thank you for calling on me. My name's Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater recovered today by God's grace and mercy. And I uh, really appreciate the shares this morning. Very, uh, very insightful. And, you know, like, uh, I have to tell you, you know, where, where it says, you know, we don't tell somebody how this happened, right? Don't tell them how we got there. But, you know, I, I, I'm, and I'm just sharing from my experience. Like, I am so grateful for the recovered alcoholics that were in the rooms when I got here that told me the truth about the disease. You know, like, like what, what sometimes I don't hear is that, you know, we have to be defeated. And a lot of times we don't, we don't effectively articulate the deadly, fatal, progressive nature of this condition, right? So I, I'm grateful for the, for the you know, for the, for the recovered people that, that explained to me the fatal nature of this condition. They didn't water it down. They didn't, they didn't, I'm, I'm really grateful that I wasn't prodded with how great my life was going to be after I finally put the substances down. Right. Cause I'm a selfish, self-centered, self-seeking individual. All I can think about is myself and where my next meal is coming from. Right. I didn't want to hear how great now, how it's going to be so wonderful. You're going to be able to attend a meeting every day and hopefully help some other people like that was not good news to me. What, what, what I had to be convinced of is that I had this condition and the big book has two questions. It asks us just two questions. If once I start eating, I have little control over how much I take. And if I decide to stop eating, I am unable to do so on my own. Right. Pretty basic. Right. Pretty, pretty simple. Like those are, those are the questions. And if that's the case, then I'm either a compulsive overeater or I'm a potential compulsive overeater. And the good news is that there's no, yeah, like I, I, I think it's, it's, um, it's not my job to water down the solution. It's not my job to water down the message of Overeaters Anonymous. And the message is that this is a fatal, hopeless, deadless, deadly disease, which if left untreated, we either die or get better. Like that's pretty much the, pretty much the story. Unfortunately, the, the death happens 20 or 30 years after we continue, right? Like what we're doing is not the treatment for compulsive overeating. What we're doing is the solution to compulsive overeating. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Pete B. Miranda S. Did you call for Miranda? I did. Okay, thank you. I was in the process of unmuting, and I think I missed it. So thank you. Um, this is Miranda S. as in Sam from uh, Minnesota, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And um, as Pete said, the shares today are really wonderful, and, and certainly as usual. So I'm I'm thinking about today's reading in terms of my own experience before program, as I was first hearing about program, and now. Um, in my experience as being a sponsor in program. And I need to remember really carefully and really honestly about how I felt when I first heard about program. Because that, that, positions, that positions me differently as a sponsor speaking with folks um, who are just hearing about it for the first time or hearing about it again for the first time. Um, because I remember when I heard about it, I wasn't ready really to hear about it. Um, I, I still had some research I had to do, as we say. Uh, I thought there were some other options that I could change that would work a whole lot better for me than this um, 
what seemed to be a really restrictive and stringent diet program. Um, and then if I had heard about the God factor, and this is how I would have thought of it then, this is not how I feel about it now. But if I would have heard about the God factor and have someone telling me, you know, like, God blesses me and, and things that would, it would have, um, oh my goodness, those things would have made me jump out my skin because of the strong aversion I had to any type of organized religion. And, and there's a whole background into this. And this, again, is not how I feel now. <laughs> but I need to remember that. Because, uh, again, when I first heard about program, I wasn't ready to listen. And if they had started talking to me about those things, I'd have run out, run out the door and never called them back. But they didn't. They mentioned, you know, that they've, they've had this success. There's this, you know, program of action. And, um, and I had to go do my own experiment. So for another few months, I did some experimentation. I was in therapy for clinical treatment of disordered eating. Uh, and I got to a point where I didn't have any other places left to experiment. So then I called these folks and I said, could we meet for coffee? And um, then I was ready to listen. And they were able to share. And they shared, just as these paragraphs say, it was lighthearted. And there was joy in them. And, and I didn't remember what that felt like. <laughs> and I remember sitting there thinking, like, now, I've lost weight before. And, I, and I've had successful diets. And, but I was really miserable. And the way you all are talking, it's not like your eyes are strained and you're just barely hanging on to, like, you know, this diet program and abstinence. And so... I would, because of how they communicated that message and because I had done my own experimentation, I was able to listen, and they were able to transmit a message. And I said, you know what, I'll give it a try. And so now as a sponsor, a recovered sponsor, I have to remember that, and I have to remember to, to be gentle in my way of being with, with everyone. And it includes people that are sponsees, prospective sponsees, um, but also just on a daily basis, you know, when I have friends and family asking me about how I'm losing all this weight or, or um, you know, oh, I'm not eating sugar now. Am I doing a detox? Mm -hmm. You know, thank you so much. Um, so I want to remember that humility and how I communicate the message now with everyone. So thank you so much. With that, I pass. Thank you, Miranda S. as in Sam. Leah S. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you so very much. Am I being heard? Yes, Leah S., I hear you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. My name is Leah S., and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And um, I, too, am going to reiterate um, attraction to this program is what brought me here. Um, when I came in first, um, I was dealing with dysfunctional people and fat. I was dealing with over-anxiety and fat. I was dealing with, um, with so many other issues and fat. So the most important thing was that I was fat and um, I, that's all that, that overrode everything for me. Um, attraction is, is a biggie, and, um, and I can't mold anyone that I, uh, that I sponsor, and I can't um, do anything for you. This has to be individualized to each person. 
So what is attracting you is what is going to is what you is what is going to make you go out to try to get it and to try to, to perfect it or try to um change it, um, which is what we say over here. And um and and the most important part is that I am just another bozo on the bus and um I am not uh I am not super, super anything. I'm just trying as much as all of you and um and and I come back to the other part again. It's all about attraction. Thank you. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Leah S. Harlan G. Thank you, Rebecca, and thank you to Team Monday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G., and I'm in sweltering Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, there, is, there is something about this disease that makes me feel as if I'm the only one that has it. Uh, there is something about the ego that wants to pull me apart from everybody and everything else and make me unique. Yes, I weighed more than probably any three, four of you put together. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But basically, there are two questions that were stated before that qualify me as a compulsive overeater on a playing field that is the same. Can I stop once I've started? And if I can't, that's the allergy. Can I stay stopped now that I want to stay stopped? And that's the twist of the mind. And if I answer yes to those questions on page 30 and page 44, if I answer those questions, yes, I am probably a compulsive overeater. And if I am a compulsive overeater, only a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps is going to help me. Only a spiritual awakening, excuse me, yes, spiritual awakening as the result of the steps is going to help me. I'm reminded of something a number of years ago. The World Convention of Overeaters Anonymous was in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, probably 12, maybe 15 years ago. And I was one of the speakers. I was very lucky to be selected, and I was one of the speakers at the World Convention. And a man picked me up from the airport, and he insisted that I go with him to a local Philadelphia hospital to visit a man who wanted to see me desperately. We went up to this man's room. He was 500 pounds if he was an ounce. I know the pain of being 500 pounds and more. I know how painful it is to have that acute edema in your lower leg. When you stand up, you want to cry. You cannot stand up with that edema and not feel pain. I know what it's like not to be able to lie flat in a bed and breathe because there's so much fat on your chest. I know what it's like to be 500 pounds. Know it well. We walked into this man's room, the two of us, after I had been assured that this man wanted to see us, and he rolled his eyes and said, O-F. And I said to the man that I was with, let's go. Leave him alone. 
No, no, he insisted, the man. Not the man in the bed, the man I was with. Well, to make a long story short, in order to get rid of us, Three minutes. the man in the bed soiled the bed deliberately so that we would have to leave. There is a timing to this. They're either ready to hear it or they're not. But there's one thing we can give them, and that's identification. You're not alone. We have this too, and we have recovered. If you want what we have, do what we do. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G. And that's uh, good timing. We're at the end of the first hour's opportunity for sharing. So let's see what's next. Um, thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The reference number for this meeting, Monday, August 6th, 2018, 7 a.m. Eastern Time is 11.751. That's 11.751. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Allison L. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Yes, I will. Thank you. This is Allison L., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ohio. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.